That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. The 17-year-old boy in Los Angeles County who became the first teen in the United States to die. It was a 16-year-old who just died in Spain. 16-year-old girl. This was a 17-year-old boy. He went to an urgent care facility. He was so sick. He died on the way to the hospital. Ultimately, they sent him to a public hospital. And he died of a heart attack, which is apparently something that happens with this virus. It, it attacks the cells of the lungs and of the cardiovascular system. And, and for most people, it kills them via their lungs. The people that it does kill or you know, really sickens them. For some people, it kills them by simply shutting down their heart or their bloodstream. And that's what happened to him. But the reason that this urgent care clinic refused to treat him was because he didn't have health insurance. Honest to God. Here we are in the richest country in the world, but we're only the richest country in the world because Jeff Bezos and Charles Koch and, and the Walton family have all the money. I mean, that's what it's come down to. So anyhow, a, a little light news, then I want to get into what Trump has been up to in the last 24 hours. It's really, really grim. So first, we'll lighten things up. My cat, Ketty, or Louise's cat, I should say. You know, my cat is Fang, but Ketty, the youngest of the family, has been, uh, we discovered these videos for cats on YouTube, which are like birds and mice and squirrels and things. He has gone from having no interest in the TV to spending two days for six or seven hours a day staring at the TV. And this morning when we put on CNN, and there's Jim Shuto, Poppy Harlow didn't show up, I hope she's well. Uh, but anyhow, there's Jim Shuto, and the cat is like watching the TV intently, like, I know there's a bird in there, I know he's gonna come out eventually. And then in the first commercial break on CNN, they went to an ASPCA ad, you know those ads for the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals? Um, they're, they're basically PSAs. This is, this is what happens when the networks can't sell their advertising. It's happening to us. It's happening all across the media is that advertisers are simply pulling back. So the price of advertising is collapsing. Sometimes you just have to slot something in. And uh, these PSA ads for uh, St. Jude's and for ASPCA are just, they're space holders, basically. But when the ASPCA ad came on, you know, it's just all these pictures of these really sad-looking dogs. Ketty just seems to love watching sad-looking dogs. Well, go figure. He's a cat. Also, Portland news from the coronavirus. This is the light news. We'll get to Trump in a second. 
The Lucky Devil Lounge, it's a strip club. Portland has uh, famously, and uh, something that Portlanders have been very proud of for many years, or at least many Portlanders, is that Portland has more strip clubs than churches. We're unique in the nation in that regard. It goes back to the gold rush days and you know the, the first hundred years basically of Oregon when this was a town that was, you know, it was a port town, it was a port city. So you had a lot of sailors going through and you had a lot of, uh, shall we say, uh, uh, red light facilities. So anyhow, the Lucky Devil Lounge was forced to close. So uh, the owner, his name is uh, Sean Bolden, started a new delivery service. See, that's allowed under the government, the statewide shutdown order from Kate Brown, our governor here. It does allow food establishments to order takeout delivery. And this strip club has food, mostly chicken fingers and steak bites and mini corn dogs and things, but they have food. And so he started a delivery service called Boober Eats. <laughs> and while the rest of the Portland is handing out, uh, this is from Samantha Swindler in uh, the Oregonian, while the rest of Portland is hoarding toilet paper and pasta, he bought out one local store's stockpile of pasties. Deliveries are 30 bucks plus the f- cost of the food. He says sometimes it's a surprise for someone, sometimes it's a birthday, sometimes it's people that are really stoned. The dancers are driven and escorted by a security guard. He's providing masks, disposable gloves, and sanitizing wipes. You may not touch the girls. So that's what's going on. Back to Trump. You know, some really grim stuff is happening in the Trump world. And it's stuff that we need to be talking about, we need to be acknowledging, and we need to be telling our friends about as well. Last night, Jim Acosta, the CNN White House correspondent, confirmed that when Donald Trump said that we're going to start opening up parts of the country, you know, there's, there's counties in Nebraska where there isn't a single case. Well, let's just let them go back to work, right? This is his rationale. He's trying to put the country back to work piece by piece because he's desperate to stop the unemployment numbers, to stop the collapse of the stock market. I mean, it's just that simple. He doesn't want to be viewed as Herbert Hoover. He's going to be viewed as Herbert Hoover. In fact, he's going to be viewed as Herbert Hoover, who let at least 1,000 people and probably tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people die. He has already let over 1,000 people die in the United States because for two months he did not do, or three months, depending on which timeline you're looking at, he did not even begin the process of testing Americans and did not begin the process of shutting down our country so that we could get a handle on this virus. But now he's wanting to open parts of it back up. And so you've got this doctor, Dr. Berg, she's the head of uh, Health and Human Services. She's an actual MD. She was out there last night. I was watching this on TV and she was she was saying, well, you know, we we have some parts of the country where maybe we can you know, uh, selectively, you know, let them go back to work, essentially. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? That's crazy talk. Well, this is the price of having a job with Trump as your boss. Is when the boss does crazy talk, you've got to do crazy talk. And then Trump goes on Sean Hannity. And this is where it gets really obscene. He says, you know, it's a fact that many hospitals don't even have one single ventilator. Well, that's complete BS. Pretty much every ICU bed in the country has a ventilator, and so do most of the uh, operating rooms, although they, you know, they're more tailored specifically to anesthesiology. It's a lie. And then he goes on to say, well, you know, these things are expensive. And this is, you know, like I said, Deborah Burks was uh, backstopping this stuff. In fact, Burks, you know, the, the lawyer, the woman who's, the, or the lawyer, the, the doctor, uh, woman who's participating in Trump's daily coronavirus rallies. 
she said that less than 1% of America is infected. Therefore, hey, what's the big deal? She said, and I quote, when people start talking about 20% of the population getting infected, it's very scary, but we don't have data that matches that based on experience. Well, the flu hits typically 20% of America. In fact, more than 20% of of America, and that's with flu vaccines, and that's with herd immunity. It's doubling every two or three days. That means in three weeks, we're at 20%. And that means in eight weeks, this according to uh, Mark Sumner's math over at Daily Kos, in eight weeks we're at 60%. And we have overwhelmed every hospital in America and we are filling the morgues. That's the trajectory that Trump has us on. I mean, Sanjay Gupta is talking about 128,000 people dead within a couple of weeks just doing the math. And then Trump starts really complaining to Sean Hannity, and I'll tell you about that right after the break. This is this is obscene to quote Sean This Marshall. is the Tom Hartman program. It's beyond obscene. It's in, it's inhuman. It's sociopathic. It's psychotic. It's wrong. And welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. So Trump calls into Sean Hannity's show and he starts out by saying, you're more important than the president of China, who I had an appointment to talk with, the president of China who might have some extra ventilators and masks and protective equipment that we could buy, the president of China who has shipped literally a ton of plasma from people who've recovered from coronavirus to Italy and Spain to help them prevent people from dying. The president of China who just shipped pallets of ventilators to Spain and Italy to help people prevent people from dying. I put off a call with him. Well, he's here's what he says. He says, because of you, I made that call at 10. I made the call 1030. I made it at 1030. That just shows you the power you have as the number one rated show in television. Right. And then he goes on to say, you know, I have a feeling that a lot of these numbers, he's talking about ventilator numbers, that Andrew Cuomo is is on TV this morning, you know, again, begging for ventilators. He said, I have a feeling that a lot of the numbers that are being sent in some areas are just bigger than they need to be. I don't believe you need 30 to 40,000 ventilators. You go to a major hospital sometimes and they'll have two ventilators. And all of a sudden they're saying, can we order 30,000 ventilators? So Trump has this feeling, right? He says, you go to hospitals, they don't even have one in the hospital. And all of a sudden, everybody's asking for vast numbers. When you talk about ventilators, it's a highly intricate piece of equipment. It's heavily computerized. Good ones are very, very expensive. And they say Governor Cuomo and others, they say they want 30,000 of them. 30,000? Think of this. Now, if the ventilators are $15,000 a piece, Mark Sumner over at Coase writes, if Trump gave everyone what they wanted, it would cost $450 million. That's a half a billion. He stole $5 billion from the military to build his wall. So he could give every hospital in the country a ventilator that they are desperately asking for and still have four and a half times as much money left over for his wall. But Trump, Trump says, oh, no, you can't do that. And then, he, and then he's, he's calling Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington state, a snake again. And then he goes after uh, Gretchen Whitmer. He says, we have a big problem with this young woman governor. You know who I'm talking about from Michigan. 
He says to Hannity, and, and Hannity's like, yeah, she's complaining about you. And he says, we don't like complaints. And this is why you've got all these people walking on eggshells, because Trump, the governors get it. Andrew Cuomo gets it. Donald Trump is willing to kill people in states whose governors piss him off. He's willing to kill the citizens of those states. And it's happening right now in front of our eyes in New York State. We have 1,000 people dead in the United States now. In two or three days, it's going to be 2,000. Two or three days after that, it's going to be 4,000. Two or three days after that, we're talking next week, it's going to be 8,000. Two or three weeks after that, it's going to be 16,000. Uh, two or three days after that, it's going to be 32,000. Two or three days after that, it'll be 64,000. That's the math that Sanjay Gupta, a physician, did on CNN last night. Two or three days after 64,000, you had 128,000. Two or three days after that, you've got 256,000. A couple days after that, you've got 512,000. That's a half a million. A couple days after that, you've got 1.2 million. And if Trump doesn't do something, if the federal government doesn't do something to bend this curve, to flatten this curve, we're going to have a million dead people here in the United States in a few weeks, a month and a half at the most. And instead, Trump is saying, well, this is a quote again from last night. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. His conversation with Hannity. So it's a very bad situation. We haven't seen anything like it. But the end result is we've got to get back to work. And I think we can start by opening up certain parts of the country. Meanwhile, the New York Times reports... A deal with General Motors and Ventec Life Systems, Ventec makes ventilators, to produce tens of thousands of critical life-saving devices seemed eminent. Then the announcement was pulled back. The decision to cancel the announcement, this decision, by the way, apparently made by Jared Kushner. The decision, this is the New York Times, the decision to cancel the announcement, government officials say, came after the Federal Emergency Management Agency said it needed more time to assess whether the estimated cost for the ventilators that were going to be manufactured by General Motors and Ventec Life Systems was too high. Jared Kushner is trying to negotiate a better deal for the Trump administration. And then you got the CDC. The CDC totally botched this thing with the test kits early on. The reason that we didn't get testing nationwide was because the CDC blew it. The test kit took four, five, six days. It didn't work in some places. Well, you know, from 2009 to 2017, the CDC had one single director, Dr. Tom Friedan. Since 2017, Donald Trump has gone through four CDC directors. His first one was uh, Brenda Fitzgerald. Uh, she was a Georgia obstetrician. Her big thing she joined Newt Gingrich in a historic reenactment of the Boston Tea Party, throwing crates of tea into the Chattahoochee River, and she is absolutely crazy opposed to abortion. So then she got replaced by a couple of other people, and then finally Dr. Robert Redfield. He's the guy who's running the CDC right now, who screwed everything up. He made his name by making premature claims about what had proved to be an ineffective vaccine against HIV. He's associated with a group that calls AIDS the wrath of God. And he flattered Trump so successfully that he got the director, the CDC director pay raised from $219,000 before he took the job to $375,000 a year now. I think we've got our new heck of a job, Brownie. It's Dr. Robert Redfield, the current director of the CDC, who couldn't even manage to get a friggin' test kit out to the states that were begging for them, screaming for them, pleading for them. I mean, this is how bad it is. And then, you know, this chloroquine, this drug that Donald Trump has been promoting to the point that, you know, lupus patients can't get it anymore. Turns out the French doctor who said that this works 
And one of his acolytes then went on Fox News and talked about it, which is how Trump learned about it. This French doctor who's, who looks just like Trump's doctor from New York. It's bizarre. This French doctor faked his research. He faked the research. It was not randomized. It was not controlled. And it was only 32 people. He faked his research. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Carol in Port Charlotte, Florida. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind? I am a living caregiver in Florida in the long-term care. And I just want to make the point that we, a lot of the caregivers are older people. I am 65 years old. So that's all I wanted to say. A lot of us are older who are in the long-term care industry. So we have people in their 60s caring for people in their 80s as a virus and comes along that right, wipes out right. people who are over 60. And even people, wow. even, I know people who are even 80 taking care of people. Yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> it's, I do believe it. I, in fact, I've seen that in my own family. And we know that Florida is just going to see an explosion of this, you know, in the next few weeks, that, that the virus yeah. was just running rampant through spring break. And, and Ron DeSantis, the governor down there, he still has not put a shelter in place order in for the state, has he? To yeah, I, I don't believe so. Not. I haven't looked this morning, but I don't believe so. So that is all I wanted well, to make the point about. Yeah. Okay. Carol, take good care of yourself. Thank you very much for the call. I, you know, it's, this is so troubling that, that uh, you know, it's like something out of a science fiction movie is here and it's real. And we've got a buffoon, a fool, an idiot running the country and running the response. And we've got his grifter son-in-law trying to negotiate with these companies. I mean, it's enough to make your head explode. Metaphorically speaking, of course. <laughs> the coronavirus will probably make your head explode. Oh, man. Oh, and then on top of that, by the way, the news media is not able to bring us the actual stories of people who are sick because of medical confidentiality laws. So we're hearing about these crises from the point of view of the doctors and nurses, but the patients, we're not seeing how sick these people really are. This is a really brutal disease. Tom Harbin here with you. On the line with us is uh, Peter Maybar-Duke. He is a human rights lawyer, but uh, more to the point right now, he's the director of Public Citizens Global Access to Medicines program. Citizen.org, of course, is their website. His Twitter handle is Maybar-Duke, M-A-Y-B-A-R-D-U-K, or at Public Citizen. Peter, welcome to the program. Great to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. So it has been reported that Gilead Sciences is developing one of the most promising antiviral drugs that may be effective against this particular uh, coronavirus. And I saw an article last week that they were trying to get a special kind of patent protection that would allow them to basically do massive price gouging. I saw an article yesterday that said that they'd backed off on that. What's the status of this? You want to explain to us what's, you know, to our listeners and viewers what's going on? Absolutely. So Gilead Sciences, a big pharmaceutical company based in California, tried to game the system, tried to get itself an extended monopoly on a drug that may be effective, we don't know yet, but may be effective against coronavirus, sort of an extra two-year period in which they could exclude competitors and thereby keep prices high, protect their monopoly pricing power for a longer period of time. They tried to do this by telling the world and claiming to the Food and Drug Administration that COVID-19 is a rare disease. 
This is a special provision for companies that that make drugs that really don't have much commercial upside to them because they actually are for rare diseases. So they're not going to sell a lot of this stuff. Gilead tried to use that provision. And I guess you could argue, you know, five months ago, coronavirus was rare. Uh, They tried to use that provision to uh, to feather their their nest, to enhance their bottom line. Were they successful? Will they be successful? They have decided, well, there was a, there was an uproar as soon as this was revealed. They have backed off uh, for now. It's a little bit of a public win, but it also shows sort of the environment that we're in, that, that there's an appreciation of how sensitive access to medicine issues are going to be, that it's actually very important now to take the next step. We need to be telling Gilead and really all the companies that are involved in, in production potential treatments of vaccines that we expect them to commit their science to the public domain. We expect them to say, we're not going to let commercial confidential information or patents or anything else get in the way of the world more rapidly developing the next treatment vaccine, building on the successes we have, or getting in the way of people's access to those treatments. So we can compensate companies with reasonable royalties for everything that they are doing. They will be fine, but we can't let the usual sort of monopoly scenario play out here. It would come at the cost potentially of a great many people's lives. Yeah. You're Public Citizen's Global Access to Medicines Program Director, and I saw a troubling news story a couple days ago uh, suggesting that, uh, you know, this uh, uh, chloroquine, this, this drug that Donald Trump has been hyping, a study came out showing that it actually doesn't do anything. <laughs> this is a small Chinese study. It was 30 people. The study out of France that said that it did do something was only 40 people. This is a study of 30 people out of China, and they found that uh, people who were treated with hydroxychloroquine were no more likely than others to be put on bed rest oxygen and fluids, if they were simply put on those things, they recovered just as rapidly. But the article that I saw that really concerned me, because this is a drug that is important for a lot of other conditions from lupus to malaria, was that India has announced that as part of their countrywide shutdown, they're also blocking all exports of chloroquine. I understand that 95% of all of our prescription drugs in the United States, or at least our generic drugs, are manufactured in either India or China. And I'm wondering how much of the chloroquine that we sell in the United States or use in the United States is actually manufactured in India. Is it most of it? Is it a little bit of it? And what's happening with this uh, supply chain? I mean, uh, how long is it going to be before Americans start running out of pharmaceuticals? Well, we don't know, but it is an issue that a number of people are attentive to. Most pharmaceutical active ingredient worldwide is initially sourced from India and China. And then it is sort of a It is packaged and formulated and then distributed around the world. But the compounds are largely, not exclusively, but largely put together in India and China. So it's going to be important to keep those supply chains open. And one real challenge right now, as you note, is that we are seeing nationalistic response. Last I heard was 62 countries have implemented some kind of medical export restrictions for various products since coronavirus started taking off. So, you know, it's going to vary. Some of those responses may be appropriate, but it's really dangerous right now to look at this as sort of like a nation-by-nation problem because the supply chains are indeed global. And we do not have time, for example, to develop separate full supply chains and manufacturing capacities. We do need to keep flowing what we have. Yeah. My understanding is that back in the day, back in the 1960s or 70s or 80s, there was a massive tax break written into legislation for the pharmaceutical industry if they manufactured their drugs in Puerto Rico. 
And for decades, Puerto Rico was manufacturing central for the Western Hemisphere for pharmaceuticals. And that it was apparently during the Bush administration that they reversed that out. And that's when Puerto Rico really started, their economy started to collapse. A, is that, is my recollection correct? And B, if so, are any of those idled pharmaceutical factories in Puerto Rico able to be revived so that we can start manufacturing pharmaceuticals here in the Western Hemisphere? I don't know the specific Puerto Rico case, but here's another way of thinking about it. Rather than sort of hunkering down and saying we're only going to purchase products made in the United States and we're going to stop exporting elsewhere, we should just be saying we need the supply lines that are intact and we need to ramp up production radically, as you have said, everywhere, which may well include Puerto Rico. Where there is excess capacity or older capacity, it should be reignited. And one of the bills that I, I think it's in one of the ones that has already passed, but it might be one of the ones that Congress is still debating. There are provisions to do some of that sort of thing. But we do need to go considerably further. The, the, you'll see in the headlines now a lot of discussion of what's called the Defense Production Act. We and many others are trying to push the Trump administration to invoke this existing law to ramp up the public production of masks, ventilators, and yes, uh, potential, if if we can find them, effective treatments of vaccines eventually. And we already need to be bringing those factories online now if we are going to produce and ensure an adequate supply in some matter of months. So that's very important. It is part of the response. We both need to sort of curb pharmaceutical industry price gouging and get them to commit their science to the public interest. And we need to ramp up the public response, both through public production and through using this law to have companies prioritize their government contracts and bring a greater supply online. So it is sort of like all the world needs to move together on this. All countries need to be contributing as much as they can to production, new production capacity, even as we keep the supply chain that we have. To the best of your knowledge, is the Trump administration, or, or for that matter, Congress, doing anything to promote the prescription that you just laid out? No pun intended. They are sort of uh, back and forth on it e- each day. As usual, it's difficult to parse what the Trump administration is actually doing, and they'll, they'll sort of say opposite things on, on a given day. But the pressure has increased quite a bit, and I think the trend is toward more use of this productive capacity. We just need to move them. We need them to move faster and more broadly, both on that production front and on the sort of reasonable pricing of products. Could they use the Defense Production Act and simply say to the big pharmaceutical companies in America, you will start manufacturing this stuff in the United States next week? Uh, yes, they could. It's you know there are there are legal wrinkles to be sure, but uh, the short answer is yes, they could. And you know, of course, it depends on like which products we can bring online, where, and sort of dotting i's and crossing t's. But broadly speaking, the government can tell the companies to do that. It can also do it itself. So, for example, if the government wants to produce remdesivir, this Gilead product that we're talking about, it can do it in government factories, and it can tell Gilead to move more production along. Uh, as well. There are particulars, but I I think what matters for all of us is we need that clarion call that says, Trump administration, you need to do this as broadly as you can right now. All our lives are at stake. Right. And this remdesivir, uh, wasn't that developed with something like $19 million of U.S. taxpayer money? Yeah, more than that, at least $60 million. There may be other ways to uh, count it in in the clinical trials. Yeah, I think it may be a higher number too. But like right now, there are ongoing trials, I think, uh, at NIH and, and CDC. So like the, we, the people, are already 
paying for the development of that drug. Gilead is putting money in too, but it's a joint venture. And, you know, so so even if it weren't a crisis, we should have a say in, in how that product is priced and distributed. Remarkable. Peter Mead, Barduk, the uh, Director of Public Citizens Global Access to Medicine Program and a human rights lawyer. Citizen.org is the website. May Barduk, M-A-Y-B-A-R-D-U-K is his Twitter handle. Peter, thank you for dropping by. Thanks so much. Good talking with you. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Brian in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Brian, what's up? Just wanted to talk a little bit about Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden and mostly all the other Democratic candidates that have left for their bid for presidency. We look to them for leadership and guidance, and a lot of them had plans, including Warren, yet they are nowhere to be found. This slush fund that's being handed out to Wall Street is ridiculous. I can barely even hold my temper at the things that are happening. We've become crumb catchers, and they're going to turn us into purse snatchers, and that's basically what's happening right now. That's what happens when you elect a Republican president or Republican Senate. I mean, that's what happens, Brian, and America's learning that lesson The Republicans, you have your answer as to why they now have the Baphomet star. It's as simple as not being satanic or or spiritual in that sense, but it's really about Mm -hmm. do what thou wants and thou wilt. And so they just want to do what they want. And basically, you know, greed, everything is a a fire sale right now. And we are being sold out. And just try and square Pocan's comments with Professor Wolf's. They're completely different. Professor Wolf, he is an esteemed economist, and he knows exactly what he's talking about. This is a gutting. He wasn't saying don't vote for that bill. What he was saying was this is this legislation is a piece of crap. And I get that, Brian. Brian, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm just not going to spend the whole show defending, uh, you know, this piece of legislation. I'm I'm very ambivalent about it myself, but I'm not going to condemn any Democrats who vote for it because it gets money to American people. Michael in Birmingham, Alabama. Hey, Michael, what's up? 
I've been listening to you for about a year, and I'm a big fan of what you do. So thank you. Thank you. I just had a question regarding living here in Alabama. I fear that the U.S. is becoming the United States of Alabama, just because here, with people that are working in like non-essential jobs right now, mm-hmm. there are places that aren't closing, but yet people that work there and who are living in quarantine and fear of just getting sick cannot collect unemployment. And I'm in that kind of situation. And I just, I just Is that because of the state unemployment laws or because they have some requirement, work requirement or something like that to get unemployment? Yeah, work requirements being in terms of that you're either sick with the virus or that your employer like kind of laid you off. I left my job temporarily just because I ran into some health issues about a year ago. And those are things I'm still trying to figure out. And things are coming, you know, there are bills to be paid and things like that. And I'm just burning through my savings like so many other Alabamians, Americans, et cetera. And, you know, I just think about it like this. This is actually a tweet that I saw from a journalist here. It says, if Donald Trump tells everyone to go back to normal next week, don't do it. If Governor Kay Ivey says it's okay, don't do it. This is a death cult. And you don't have to follow it to where it's going. Stay home. Is KIV your governor there in Alabama? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she is. And I, I just want to know what people's thoughts are on worker protections for people that are falling between the cracks. Thank you. Yeah, I get it. Thank you, Michael. We, we need to do fundamental structural reform with regard to our economy. It's not going to happen with Republicans in power. Another reason to make sure that you're registered to vote and that you're signed up for absentee ballots in whatever state you happen to be in. Kent in Klamath Falls, Oregon. Hey, Kent, what's on your mind today? Between the progressives and the established Democrats, you have uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, Joe Biden. But then you have Andrew Cuomo and President Trump. What's your take on, do you think there's any possibility of the Democratic Party uniting around uh, draft Andrew Cuomo? There's actually a conversation about that going on right now. There is a a draft Andrew Cuomo movement. I don't know how deeply it's embedded in the Democratic Party, but it is certainly going on. We'll see where it goes, Kent. I think a lot is going to depend on how Joe Biden comports himself over over the next few weeks or months, and we'll see where this all goes. Ken, thanks for the call. James in Spokane. Hey, James, what's up? The stock market this time does not reflect our economy at all. And, you know, I listen to Max Kaiser on your old RT network, and I shouldn't describe it that Mm -hmm. way. But anyway, he says that the stock market could lose 50% of its value and it would still be quite profitable. I think he's right in that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Tom, when I went off the gold standard, was it anything more than Tricky Dick being Tricky Dick? I mean, was it just a Ponzi scheme that we're in at the end of now? I don't think so. Being on the gold standard is a very, very difficult thing for a country whose economy is rapidly growing. You could argue that FDR took us off the gold standard by, you know, I mean, Nixon did formally in 71 or 72, but I think it really happened back in the 30s. And it was as the country was putting its economy back together, the economy starts growing. If you're on the gold standard, as the economy grows, the money supply has to grow. And for the money supply to grow, you have to have an equal amount of gold in Fort Knox. And that just reached the point where it was absolutely untenable. 
And we were not restocking Fort Knox to the best of my knowledge in the 50s during Eisenhower or in the 60s with Kennedy and LBJ and whatnot. So I think we've been functionally off the gold standard for a long time. Yeah, we basically became the petrodollar. Yeah, and perhaps that was ill-advised. Yeah, well, we'll find out. I mean, you know, right now, oil is kind of upending everything, and that's going to be real interesting to see how that shakes out. Thanks a lot for the call. David in Spotswood, New Jersey. Hey, David, what's on your mind today? I just want to point out you were talking about Donald Trump filing five bankruptcies. I wanted to point out that he was the first too big to fail bank. He was so big, in fact, that they had to make him appear wealthy so his hotels would be would still keep running. Um, yeah, I think you're so, right. So the banks learned from Trump, and then we had the crisis in 08, and we have the crisis now. And the, the yeah. question I wanted to ask you is, after this is all done and over, since Republicans want to make it done and over at their choosing, but when it's truly over, will the United States keep the global supply chains, or will everything be insourced? And will everything be insourced at other countries? And will that also help the climate change problem? You know, I have an article that was published this morning over at the L.A. Progressive website specifically about this, talking about the importance of bringing our manufacturing back home, not just for the profitability of America to rebuild the American middle class, but also as a national security issue. Um, This has been something the Democrats have been harping on for years and years and years. I realize that there was a faction within the Democratic Party, the Bill Clinton faction, that bonded with the Republicans. Bill Clinton, of course promoted the NAFTA bill that Reagan and Bush Sr. had negotiated and worked out all the details on. But the Clinton faction was never the majority of the Democratic Party. The majority of the Democrats were opposed to so-called free trade. And Trump simply took that Democratic position and ran on it in the election. And that was <laughs> that was a problem. But I'm with you. Thank you. Dennis in Bergenfield, New Jersey. Hey, Dennis, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, I want to talk about democracy. So, we, you know, in the United States, we're a const- we represent a democracy or a constitutional republic. We vote to elect represent- representatives who vote on taxes. So taxes, we do give a consent. My question is, uh, you know, mob rule. Libertarians will often say this is mob rule, which makes it not right. Right. Could you explain the difference between, you know, I read on Google that a mob rule is when citizens do things that are outside the realm of the law, so it's not That's legal. Correct. That's right. Could you explain how, you know, the representative democracy we have in the United States is not mob rule? Sure. Well, first of all, mob rule, mobs don't respect rules. <laughs> so what we have done is we, by creating the Constitution and by creating a set of laws, we created a structure within which we operate as a society with very specific rules. Therefore, it's not a mob. And then we also backed away from even direct democracy. I mean, the Greek specs, you know, 3,000 years ago, um, uh, the, uh, you, you had two forms of democracy that happened in ancient Greece or in Athens, actually. Um, one was basically everybody shows up and votes. The other was they boiled it down to 6,001 people. Um, and that was their, I forget the word for it. Um, but if you, it was like jury duty. You, you would, your name would be called once a, you know, every year they would call 6,001 names. And, and if you didn't show up, you were called an idiota. And, but that was the group, it was like jury duty. They made the decisions for, for, uh, Greece or Athens, one or the other. Um, so we didn't even do that. You know, we decided that instead we would have a representative, uh, democracy, um, so we've, we have a constitutionally right. limited, that is the Constitution limits the, the, uh, uh, the Constitution limits the, the, um, the powers, essentially, of government. 
number one. And then number two, from, from the Constitution limiting the powers of government, um, then you have elected representatives who, who you know, add another layer of kind of buffer between you know, the mob, as it were, the, you know, the general public. So no, we don't have mob rules, nothing, not even close to mob rule. Libertarians love to say it's a mob rule because people like Charles Koch, you know, billionaire right-wing libertarians, um, yeah. they don't want the mob, that's you and me, taking any of their money in the form of taxes. And so they tend to say that taxes are mob rule and that programs that benefit you know, more than half of Americans, so Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, things like that, that's mob rule. Um, but basically what they're complaining about is it's taking money out of their pockets. It's just real simple. Brad in Loganville, Georgia. Hey, Brad, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? What's your take on how this virus got started? Back several months ago, right before Mardi Gras, there was a I forgot where I saw it posted, <clears throat> and there is a lot of conspiracy theories going on right now that's wrong, but I saw where the societies are trying to get the population of the world down to where it's more manageable, so when they when they do a full dictatorship, it'll be easier to control young children that their yeah. immune system. Yeah, let me tell you where this is coming from, Brad. There's in Latvia, former Soviet country, where a lot of this is going on. And of course, some of it's coming out of Russia. There are these 20 somethings who develop these real looking news websites that look like real news websites. And then they write this complete screaming, flaming BS. <clears throat> that is clickbait to get people to go to those websites because they've got advertising on the websites. There was a story uh, last year about these two guys in their early 20s in Latvia who were making over $200,000 a year um, propagating stories. This is where the, uh, the pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. being the child sex ring story came from, for example. And so they're pushing this stuff out. And a couple of the conspiracy theories they've been pushing, one is that this came from a Chinese bioweapons lab. Another is that it came from a U.S. bioweapons lab. That one's being promoted by the Chinese version of these guys. Um, another one is it's the worldwide Jewish conspiracy that wants to call the herd and decrease the population because they're planning for, you know, George Soros is going to take over the planet any day. These are all lies, Brad. They have, they, you know, China back in December or maybe it was early January, released the complete sequence of this virus. We know the genome. If you look at the scientific literature, you will see that the, 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 the genetic material of this virus indicates that this virus has been floating around in mammalian, uh, in mammals, in bats specifically, for at least several thousand years. And it's just that, you know, humans start, you know, as human population grows, we're growing into those parts of nature where we haven't been before. And we're starting to disturb ecosystems that have been basically unknown to us for thousands and thousands of years. The same is true of the coronavirus or excuse me, of uh, uh, the Ebola virus. The Ebola virus it has been around for at least 10 to 20,000 years, this virus, um, in wow. relatively unchanged. But it wasn't until just the last couple of years that we started digging, you know, really human populations got so big in uh, particularly the Democratic Republic of Congo that we started going into virgin jungle that we had never been in before. And we encountered, and again, it was bats. Uh, you know, we encountered these animals that were carrying this virus. Bats have a, a unique kind of immune system where they basically don't get sick from things and uh, from a lot of things. And so they can carry coronaviruses. They carry, bats carried SARS. There's a theory that bats carry MERS, although they, they conveyed it, they communicated it to camels, which is how people in the Middle East get it. Um, and, uh, you know, 
so that's that's what's going on. That's the real story, Brad. You know, there's there's no you know worldwide conspiracy to call a herd, or if there is, it's not getting much. Well, actually, if there is, it's it's obviously headquartered in the White House. But I'm I'm not buying the theory. Brad, thanks a lot for the call. Maine in Chicago. Hey, Maine, what's on your mind? What this looks like is like on the reserve, if you have too many animals, like this one I particularly saw was elephants. And what they did was what they call culling the herd. You know, you, right. you know that's like taking out so many animals that so that they can uh, remain on the reserve. I see this somewhat like that, you know, because he knew if all what has been said is true, he knew sometime in January, but he didn't say it until uh, uh, just a few weeks or so ago. And so he was allowing this virus to, to come into America and start killing people, culling yeah. the herd. You culling know? the herd, yeah. When I grew up in Michigan and when we lived in New Hampshire and Vermont, they're all big deer hunting states. And, and every year, the Department of Natural Resources would determine how many deer needed to be culled from the herd in order to keep the herd of deer healthy for, for hunters. And they would issue that number of hunting permits. You know, I think that it's possible that Donald Trump actually thinks that he's just killing people in blue states because so far, I mean, most of our major cities are in blue states. And right. uh, so far, it's been it's been major cities, you know, where you've got a lot of air, air traffic as a, as a consequence of there being big cities where it's been hitting. But right. this is going to wipe out the red states. They are so resource poor. Yeah. This is going to be a, a, an apocalypse. It's going to be a holocaust for these red states. It's just going to come, you know, a few months after the blue states. And he's sitting around yeah. gloating about how he can trash Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, and he can, and he can, uh, you know, say that uh, Mario Cuomo ha- or Andrew Cuomo, excuse me, has to treat him nicely and all this kind of crap. Um, but it's gonna, it's gonna bite him in the butt, man. It really is. Uh, Maine, thanks for the call. That was a good one. Deborah in Denver. Hey, Deborah, what's up? You know, the coronavirus is going to peak during Passover. If everybody watches the Ten Commandments, it's very we're going through, but we're under economic slavery, baking bricks without straw. So anyway, what I wanted to say is that I want to reach out to Mike Pence and call him out on his Christianity because this is a salvation issue. And I wouldn't give up my salvation for anything, but if innocent people die and you have the ability to invoke the 25th Amendment and you're not doing it, that's very dangerous to lose your salvation over something in somebody like Donald Trump. He has the power to to, um, do something about this, and I would encourage him to do so because nobody will look bad on him about this. This This is something that only he can do. And I would encourage him as a, a, a Christian, as a believer, I'm, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and I really hope that he invokes the 25th Amendment and removes Donald Trump, because Donald Trump is so dangerous. He's allowing millions of people, or it could potentially be a million people or, uh, or so, die. And for what? Yeah. In, in the United States, yeah, and, and just, you know, to assuage his ego, apparently. Um, Deborah, I think your point is well made. I, you know, I made, it's kind of gallows humor time, I guess. A couple of days ago, I made the joke to Louise about maybe we should just put a, 
you know, some red paint over our front door. In the Passover story is how the Israelites notified God that, you know, don't kill our oldest mm-hmm. son. We're not in with the Pharaoh. This is biblical. This is, uh, I don't know if it's, it's literally biblical. biblical. I tweeted this morning that if there is a hell, Donald Trump is going to burn in it for all of eternity. This is just terrible. Deborah, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. Donna in Chicago. Hey, Donna, what's on your mind? Yes. Well, I read that the bill that just passed the House has a provision that proposes cuts to or eliminating the Social Security payroll tax at least through the end of the year. Yes, it it, uh, it doesn't eliminate it. It postpones it for, for corporations for their part of it. And there are some people who are concerned that that's a way of, of strangling Social Security or cutting its funding. Um, there are uh, others who are saying, no, it's it's not. Um, I, I think Pramila Jayapal's point is well taken that um, there will be future bills and the future bills will have recalibrations of previous legislation in them. If this is a hit on Social Security, um, as some people are suggesting it is, then we will be able to fix that in future legislation. And, and I can't imagine that they wouldn't, Donna. I mean, that's that's OK, like, because I mean, that's concerning to know that the Republicans in Wall Street uh, streeters feel, you know, are so against Social Security and feel people, you know, make uh, are getting too much money. And right, yeah, they've, they've been trying to. Yeah, they've been trying to take down Social Security ever since 1935 when it was passed. They called it communism and socialism back then. They still do. And mostly what they want to do is shift it over to the banks on Wall Street so that those banksters uh, can get their hands on that $2.7 trillion Social Security trust fund and, and basically loot it. But I don't think that the Democrats are going to let them do that. Donna, thank you for the call. What an extraordinary time we're living through. You know, this is, this is the time. These are the kind of times that history talks about. And uh, so let's try to make it through safely and keep You're each other. listening to the Tom Hartman program and hold each other in our hearts and in our love. I mean, this is what we have to do. Michael in Denver. Hey, Michael, what's on your mind today? The supply side situation. I like to say my wife's a visiting nurse. And after two mm-hmm. weeks of being quarantined and all because they, they sent her home from work, they've called her back to work because she doesn't have any symptoms. But we spent a week trying to have her tested. Uh, it's just me and her at home. And also, I was taking care of all of the business. And now she's going out and, like, for today going back to work, she has a, a half a dozen people that she's going to see, not knowing whether she could pass something on to them, they could pass something on to her. And these are all people that are compromised. So out here in Colorado and all that, our, our governor, like the other governors, uh, Inslee and all that, great people trying to do everything, Mario Cuomo, where I'm from, um, right. they have their hands tied. But... Uh, what they're doing, in essence, what the what you know the the, the this administration is, is tying the hands of the first responders and putting them in harm. So I'm. I'm yeah. I'm so afraid does your wife, wife have uh, personal protective equipment available to her? Well, what she's going to get from v- uh, VNA, VNA where she works, she asked me not to mention that, but I'm sorry I did. Um, is still wholly inadequate because they are you know they're waiting. Also, their suppliers are just telling them, hey, you know, the, the tsunami has hit. Everybody's right. going to have to wait. And it could be weeks or even months. So what right. are we and doing? Trump could have been ordering this stuff in, in January or he could have been ordering this actually in December. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, there was a grocery store chain. Or there is a grocery store chain. I believe they're down in Texas. 
And back in December, they were looking at the numbers that were coming out of China and they said, holy cow, this is going to come here. And they started planning for dealing with a, with a pandemic, literally a grocery store chain, chain in the United States. The spy agencies were screaming at Trump. This thing is coming. Look out. And Trump was ignoring them. He does, you know, he, he doesn't listen to the experts. He listens to Sean Hannity. He listens to Fox News. And while Fox News and Sean Hannity and these fools over at Fox News were minimizing this and Limbaugh was saying it's just a common cold, folks, and all this kind of stuff. While that was going on, Rupert Murdoch and his family were going into quarantine, basically. I mean, yeah. they were they were in total lockdown. They canceled Rupert's 80th birthday party or whatever, however many years he is. You know, um, uh, Tom, this Tom, is I, criminal, I, Michael. Yeah, I, 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 I did want to say also, I've called before. I was in the Navy for 22 years. Uh, way back when we dealt with things like this because we were out in the world. And in, and in Asia in particular, so you know what era I'm from. Um, and uh, we had to deal with a smallpox uh, outbreak, a mini, mini-demic. Uh, it took uh, uh, the Navy five days to clear that out. Uh, and right. it was hundreds of people not... <laughs> I think there was only one, one of our personnel uh, and, and all that in the Philippines that got the smallpox. But we took care of it in five days. Five days, Navy yeah. doctors, Navy nurses on a ship, on a ship, okay? Not a hospital yeah. ship, just a regular old cruiser and stuff. So, uh, you know, well, we the got, big advantage you probably had, there. Michael, was that you is that probably everybody on that ship who was over 40 was vaccinated for smallpox. That's right. Right. Lots of vaccinations in the military. Who knows what we got, but it probably yeah. did protect us from a lot of that stuff. And the last thing I want to say before you let me go, this is what we get. These death panels is what we get now when the Republicans are running our country. And it's been and it's happened before, but this is the big one and all. So the government is the last resort of everything. And uh, I, I hope. And, and that's what that that's what people heart. are learning. Hey, thank you, Michael. That's what people are learning is that this this libertarian theology that's been promoted by, you know, the, the Kochs and other right wing billionaires, these uh, libertarian billionaires, that, you know, society works best when it's just a, a crazy free for all um, is is being exposed for the BS that it is. And I wish I could say that word out loud because that's exactly what it is. I mean, you know, Trump is watching these states compete with each other to buy respirators and ventilators and compete with the federal government. He actually has the, 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 the Department of Defense competing in the marketplace for these ventilators. They, you know, you had the, uh, one of these governors yesterday was just rip-roaring mad because he was outbid by the federal government for ventilators that he was trying to get for his hospitals. Well, these right-wing libertarian billionaires and members of Congress, like this fool who wants to, to, to hold up the, the legislation and force everybody to fly into D.C., these right-wing guys, these so-called libertarians, they think this is a good thing. They're, they're, I can tell you what they're saying. I've debated enough of them over the years. I know how they think. They're saying, oh, yeah, well, what's happening is you're seeing the market in, in action. You're seeing, and, and you're going to see it, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen fairly soon, that there's going to be more companies making these products because there are states and, and counties and, and the federal government and hospitals that are willing to pay more money for these things. And so now it's profitable to make them, so we're going to make them. Now, there's actually some truth to that. And in, in the marketplace, if we were talking about bubblegum and new, new kinds of candy, 
cool. You know, if you've got a product that people want, you can raise the price until you get a competitor and all those kinds. That's how the market's supposed to work. But not for things that have to do with saving lives. This was the argument they made back in the 70s against seatbelts. Oh, we shouldn't have seatbelts. They should be an option that people can buy on their car. When there's enough demand, the car companies will do it. And in the meantime, thousands of people died in car accidents. The, the, the libertarian philosophy completely disintegrates when it comes to serious harm. You know, yes, you can run a, you can run a marketplace for, for candy bars that way. You cannot run a marketplace for ventilators and, and personal protective equipment in the, quote, free market when there is massively more demand than there is supply. Eventually, yes, the free market will catch up, as, as the Trump uh, acolytes are telling us. You know, another couple months from now, we'll have all we want. Well, another couple months from now, a million people will be dead, or could be dead. But that doesn't seem to bother the libertarians. They, they tend to be, frankly, sociopaths. This is the weird thing that I've noticed about all these libertarians that I've debated over the years, is that they basically have no empathy. They don't see humans as humans. They're really good with numbers, not so good with people. Norma in Montgomery, Alabama, watching Free Speech TV. Hey, Norma, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. What's on my mind, of course, is the coronavirus. Because I have the Free Speech TV where Watch U.S. saw it coming out of China in January. And it's true that he was briefed and he did nothing, and we have people dying. But the thing is, we've got to stop it, and we're not getting help from the government. So it's up to us. And the best thing that we can do is to stay home. He keeps talking about people going to church. Down here across the South, you know, you've got more churches than you have schools. And people are all excited about Easter baskets and Easter clothes like they did in the 50s. That's the attitude. These people have to stay home. There isn't enough testing here. We had, like, over at Macon County, Tuskegee, you remember the Red Tails? There wasn't any Mm -hmm. testing over there until this week. Nothing. We have counties here where there is still no testing. Yeah, we we were supposed to get a grant of two hundred and sixty nine million to expand to expand infrastructure. Well, now they're they're upset because oh we don't have any internet for the kids who can't go back to school until next year. Well, guess what? Trump took that money for the wall. Okay, so you know we have a problem with education. You're not only just destroying people, you're destroying education. But if people don't stay home, you can forget Memorial Day. Also, we're going to have people die. And my mom worked for public health in the 60s. Her desk was the VD desk. If they had an outbreak, they sent people out and hunted these people down and dragged them back into the clinic because you, it created a pyramid. And we have a pyramid yeah, I, here that's even faster. I, t- I told the story last week. Uh, I, I forget who I was talking with. It was one of our guests. Uh, you know, when I was in high school, my best friend Bill um, got gonorrhea. And, you know, he had to go in and get a, a giant shot. I assume it was penicillin or something like that. Um, but he also had to give the names. Yeah, he, had, he also had to give the names of all the, women, all the girls. I mean, we were 16. All the girls that he'd had sex with. And yeah. they went out and tracked him down. <laughs> That's my mom what we need to be doing. work one day and she said, do you know so-and-so? I said, he's in my science class. Stay away from him. So I knew he had oh. it. Uh, but right. half of the half of the kids in my graduation class wound up with it, and a lot of them had to get married because they were the girl the cheerleaders were pregnant. But you know you right. can't stop people's behavior unless you get the it 60s. through their heads that this is going to kill you. 
And that's yeah. what this is going to happen. And Trump doesn't even understand. He's killing his own voters down here in the Republican ignorant South. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, he really is. Him yet that he's killing his own supporters, his own voters. And you look at what happened in New Orleans. Oh, well, it's no big deal. The Mississippi governor's over there praying. Right. Well, <laughs> in New Orleans, Louisiana has a Democratic Louisiana has a Democratic governor, John Bell Edwards. So Trump is, and of course, New York has a Democratic governor, uh, Michigan, Seattle, yeah. uh, Washington State, California. California. He's, he's sitting around thinking that he is killing off Democrats. Honest well, to God, I be believe killing. this, Norma. I think he's that big a sociopath. He has no idea that this is going to creep all the way across the country. You're from Mississippi to Virginia. Florida, you're going to have a death toll like you've never seen. Yeah. Stay home, yeah, people, I'm, and you can save Memorial Day. <laughs> there you go. I'm absolutely with you. Thank you, Norma. It's always nice to hear from you. Thank you very much for the call. Stay safe there in Montgomery, Alabama. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 